This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week is the one and only Brian Murray. Hello. Brian, we're here to talk about one thing and two things actually only, and that is Dungeons & Dragons comics, but specifically the IDW Dungeons & Dragons series and the Critical Role Vox Machina uh, series that came out. Um, but before we get into that, I mean, that's the focus of this minisode. I think we should start this with just letting the folks out there who know, maybe they don't know, that we're both pretty big Dungeons and Dragons players. So could you tell us a little bit about your history into D&D and, you know, other tabletop RPGs? Yeah. So the year was 2005. Oh, no. Uh, and I say that dramatically, but it, I have actually been playing D&D for a little over 15 years now, yeah. which is hard to wrap my head around. I started playing in the coffee shop near my high school, just mm-hmm. me and some some nerds wildly misunderstanding the rules for 3.5. Right. Um, things got pretty wild in those early days. Um, but ever since then, I have pretty consistently had a D&D game or a tabletop RPG game of some sorts going for a decade and a half. That's That's wild, man. Yeah, uh, what about you? I mean, Brian, you know this. Uh, Brian was pretty much the person to introduce me to Dungeons & Dragons officially. I think I'd heard about it before, um, but in college, I think it was like 2007, maybe 2008, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, it was 08, 09, because it was when I was living on campus. Right, 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 right. So yeah, so Brian and I, we were in college together, and uh, a friend of a friend introduced us and one thing led to another we started playing dungeons and dragons fourth edition was out and we were really into that because i think at the time brian you had like gone in with some other people to get like every book that was available and we just played a ton of this one game and as time went on we you know started playing with like 3.5 and then eventually we played 5.0 when that came out and we tried some other stuff i think we toyed around with like Shadowrun and Vampires of the Masquerade and tons of other tabletop RPGs, but I'm in the same boat. I think since that I first started playing that game um, with Brian and some of our friends, I've had a tabletop game um, either that I've been running or that I've been a part of for the last you know 12 plus years, um, which is, yeah, reflecting upon that, that is fucking insane. Uh, so needless to say, Brian and I have a lot of thoughts and probably ideas about <laughs> what Dungeons and Dragons is. And so to see these comic books come to life it's a really interesting thing so just to be super specific we are going to be talking about idw's dungeons and dragons volume one so full spoilers for that as well as critical role vox machina origins volume one so full spoilers ahead um as we kind of compare and contrast but i guess you know when we when we first sat down to talk about this why did we i guess what was the focus on on these two books why did we want to compare these two yeah, well, I think the thought was that these were probably going to be pretty different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, the IDW series was coming out in, I want to say, 2010, 2011, because uh, it was it was a fourth edition mm-hmm. series. I remember that because all the D&D comics that have come out have always been like related in some way to an edition. Right. Um, but I remember having like the fourth edition character sheets for the characters in the comic. Like yeah. there'd be a character sheet in each issue. Um, whereas, you know, Critical Role is a pretty popular TTRPG uh, podcast, webcast series uh, with Matthew Mercer and a bunch of other voice actors. And so I think it was just an, uh, an attempt to see when we approach D&D from these two wildly different angles like mm-hmm. 
do they end up looking the same or are there big noticeable differences? Yeah. I mean, and, and sitting down to read these, I was very hesitant on both. <laughs> if only because like <laughs> in my mind, you know, I have a very specific idea of what Dungeons and Dragons is like. I don't I don't know what it is. I think the way that, uh, you know, you introduced me to the game and I think the way that we just played, everything was very homebrew oriented. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, years later, I would come to find that, like, that's not how a lot of people played. They would dig really deep into the existing lore of the system and then they would play games within that world. And, you know, learning about 2.0 and Gary Gygax and all that stuff and like seeing like the Greyhawk de deities and like th there's a ton of lore for Din Dungeons and Dragons. But uh, so like to, to see this between... Uh, in this D and D IDW book um, versus, I think everything else. Like I was just kind of like in like a I don't know cognitive dissonance about how Dungeons and Dragons should be played or stories should be told about that. And it's interesting to compare the D and D book to the Critical Role book because I think you can see that there has been a lot of. I guess, growth in the community <laughs> in terms of how characters are portrayed and all that stuff. Yeah. So I guess like to, to just get into, it, I mean like the, the D and D volume one book is very, very much like you said, it's kind of, or I think in our notes you say like, it's very much a series of like archetypes and everybody has their role to play. Mm -hmm. And it feels like they're trying to give the largest breadth of characters possible while holding on to, I think, you know, archetypes or my guys thinking more stereotypes, but that's, you know, you know, one way or another um, to look at it. So I thought that was interesting because I, I found it kind of annoying at first, but then by the end of the volume, it all works. Um, I didn't think it was bad. It's just like when you think of a, a rogue, you think of a halfling. When you think of a, you know, a human, you think of a fighter um, and, and so on and so forth. I thought that was really, really fun the way that they did that. And it, it felt kind of typical, but at the same time, it was a good read. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's one of those things where they're they're it, it feels like they're trying to ease you into it almost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they're sort of like, here's the dwarf, he's a paladin of Moradin. Here's right. the human, he's a fighter. The halfling is a thief. the The tiefling is a warlock. The elf is a ranger. Like right. it's, and this is the the adventuring party that we're following in the book, uh, Fells Five, as they come to be called. Mm -hmm. um, but they're they're all very standard. D, D characters at first and as as the book goes on they do get fleshed out and become more of their own individuals yeah um but i i do think that there there are positives and negatives to playing into those expectations mm -hmm. like for me it was it was a nice little like uh -huh, yep that's that's what D, &D looks like um <laughs> For other people, I think it might be frustrating to be like, yeah, we've seen this before. Like we've we've seen an elven ranger done to death. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was just a nice little like these are just like they're touchstones. You know, when when I was learning D&D, &D, I was learning these characters, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think the the thing that made it work for me was, you know, as you said, as the story goes on, the characters grow and you really started to see more and more of their personalities and you got to see that they weren't just these one note characters. Like the the thing that some of the stuff that really struck true for me was, you know, the elf and the the human um, kind of having this net un, unbreakable bond between the two of them. Um, like they, they were very close friends and they were like, they were, they were constantly watching each other's back. Like that's kind of the implication that no matter what stupid choices the human wanted to make, you know, for the good of everyone, um, the elf was going to follow along, even if it meant certain death, um, which I thought was like a really 
it's a it's a trope within fantasy, but it's refreshing because I feel like as players, as people that probably consume a lot of other, you know, D&D and fantasy media, um, we we don't see that stuff because it's so tried and true. Like everyone's trying to subvert expectations. So there's never like these, I will follow you into the, you know, the, to the ends of this earth because no one wants to be that corny, I guess. But to see it in a story like this, I think that's what, you know, what make, makes it so um, enjoyable is that like you, you hear about these characters that have these morals that are so much bigger than them. Um, and I think that's a hard thing to do as a player to ha- like insist that you have those types of feelings as well, um, because you know that you personally probably don't. But to get into the head of your character, you you maybe don't even feel comfortable enough to do that. So I thought it was interesting to see that like they, they were taking a lot of these things and just pushing them onto the story, but nothing felt out of place. Nothing felt ham fisted. Um, yeah, it all it all really worked. It's very sincere in a, in a way that Truly. I think a lot of media about Dungeons and Dragons is not. Because I think that, you know, and, and I I certainly do this, there is a, mm-hmm. a definite, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, D&D, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to a lot of D&D content. Yeah. Where it's like, this is dumb and we're going to go with it because it's fun anyways. Yeah. Um, but this this book doesn't have that. These characters are just, they're they're genuine in a way. Yeah. I mean, um, so, even to the point where, you know, the, there are jokes about, you know, everything that's good is dwarven made and everything that's bad isn't uh-huh. dwarven made. Like, but that to me felt like a sincere joke. It didn't feel like they were like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're outside the comic book having this joke. Like it worked in the story. Yeah, it was it was an in-universe joke. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I feel like while, while I did enjoy the the critical role book a lot. The fact that this is coming from a game that like real people actually played a lot more of those like real world jokes sort of seeped in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can tell that these are jokes that the players made at the table. And so like the, the, the bard in the critical role, uh, Scanlan is his name. When Scanlan, the bard sings in the critical role book, you can see like what song these lyrics would scan onto, you know, like yeah, they, yeah. they fit the meter of a popular song. Yeah. And, and that, you know, if, if just to dive right into, into this critical role book, I mean, that to me was kind of took me out of it a little bit. Um, I read that one first. I sat down to read uh, Vox Machina Origins first, and I, I liked a lot of it because I, you could tell like there was clearly story being built, like really powerful, strong story being built between the characters. But there were so many moments where they tried to take you out of the book, um, and I think the only time that that happened in the D&D book, I think the rogue made a joke that worked in the story, but also worked as a meta joke uh, that I thought was very funny. But again, it didn't try to take me out of the book consistently, whereas the Vox Machina book, it, I felt like they were doing that every single issue. Um, there was a, The gnome was constantly making jokes um, and, and being so brash. It almost felt like he was too wild of a character to work in the story. Um and I don't know. I part. I just. I didn't like that character. Um, let me just be completely honest. I thought that that <laughs> character was so fucking annoying. Like I get it. We need to have a shithead. We need to have Bard that's going to do Bard things. Bard's going to fuck. Did you know that? Did you know that? Um, but yeah. also at the same time, it was like way over the top compared to what the rest of the story was doing, which was extremely compelling. Like they were telling a really strong story, and then every time the Bard would show up, it's like it felt like forced jokes for the sake of jokes. And maybe that it feels more natural at the table because I think it does when you're playing these Mm -hmm. jokes seep in and they feel more natural. But from a storytelling standpoint, like 
it, it felt really ham-fisted for me. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think that I, the IDW series fit a lot more of like what I think D&D is like in my head. Yeah. And the Critical Role series definitely felt a lot more like what it feels like to play D&D at the table. Yeah. Even to the point where there's like maps in the book, which I actually thought was a really clever way to show movement and action. You know, there was a couple pages where they showed what was clearly like a a grid paper with letters and representing each of the characters and enemies. I thought that was really fun. Um, But whereas in the D&D book, the the Dungeons and Dragons volume, they didn't have anything like that. But you could clearly tell that this was a dungeon. Like they were there were pits, pit traps, and there were all sorts of other things that, you know, that you would come across random enemies that would just come out of the corner. And uh, it it felt very dungeony to me. Um, Whereas the other one, you know, this critical role was clearly like like you said, playing at the table. Um, There's a lot more discussion happening um, about like the surroundings and, and, and things. So. Uh, yeah, I just, that's, I, I don't know. I, I felt like I agree with you, I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in a way that, that is for me, what distinguishes like a D and D comic from a fantasy comic mm-hmm. is it has to, in some way, evoke those tabletop feelings. Yeah. And I think that, that both of these books do that in, in very different ways. Um, like you said, critical in, in critical role, we have characters making the same kinds of dumb jokes that we would make around mm-hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we have a friend who, when he plays a bard, like picks a song to go with each of his spells, and then very poorly sings a handful of lyrics to it <laughs> whenever he casts that spell, and it's yeah. it's deeply upsetting at the table, but. <laughs> But Scanlan the Bard did make me think a lot of of this friend of ours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and th- I I like that the, both of the books for those reasons. You know, um, I shouldn't say that I didn't like the Critical Role book because honestly, I think I'm going to keep reading that one. Um, the D and D one felt so like it was a good story. I'm glad that we sat down and read it. Um, because comparing it to the Vox Machina book was really refreshing. It kind of like put me back into the roots of of Dungeons and Dragons but I think that the critical role story has a lot is a much more compelling story overall um like again I I could see maybe I could see myself reading both but I really think if I had to pick one I'd pick the critical role book because overall I liked the character development I liked the way that this they the, they framed all of the stories where everything was you know they'd open a chapter and they'd say these are the people that are going to save the world and then we get like a chunk of flashback as they're building to whatever this thing is that they have to do to save the world because I think this story it's a it's a prequel or it's a retelling I didn't really actually look into it because you know I'm bad at doing research but um yeah there there definitely seemed to be a more modern interesting story that was going on I could see myself as a GM you know drafting a lot of these weird wondrous items and scrying and doing all this stuff to mess with my players in order to make things easy and hard at the same time to make sure that the game flowed but was still challenging um whereas the you know the D&D book was just kind of a fantasy story where you could see the pieces of a module coming together um and and just players like I guess you know fictional characters just walking through them whereas the critical role was clearly people playing a game um and that to me adds a little bit more spice to the story. I think that's why a lot of people like the Adventure Zone comics, not only because the Adventure Zone series was very, very popular, but also because 
it's them making choices and you can tell when they're goofing around and they have to kind of try to curb it to make it into a story. Um, and this Vox Machina one had that same feel. Yeah. Uh, I, I did, uh, I did really like the art in both of these, mm-hmm. but the, the IDW series was definitely a lot more like, uh, uh, realistic is the only word I can think of. It's right. not really the right word, but it's, it's like if these characters were real people, this is what they would look like. Yeah. Whereas the Critical Role series, the characters have much more like exaggerated features. They look much more like animated. And I, th- I think a lot of that is like the coloring and the shading in the mm-hmm. Critical Role series is a lot simpler, I guess. It's yeah. It's almost brighter too, like in yeah. comparison. Yeah. Despite the fact that it takes place primarily like at night and in the sewers. <laughs> yeah. Um, all, all the characters have very like clean, distinct looks to them that I, I really enjoyed. With yeah. with the the problem of our two main character, two of our main characters, Vex and Vax, oh the half elf twins, that I, I could not tell you which one is which. Right, and half the time I was like, "Wait, why is he saying that?" Oh, wait, that's her. Like, I that was my problem throughout the book was that they were drawn so similarly, and I mean, I get it, they're twins, but give one of them like an eye patch or something please like (laughs) uh but no i i agree with you there i think like they they definitely had very distinct looks very unique interesting looks whereas the D D book was definitely like here are the archetypes cookie cutter characters um the tiefling's a woman so she has to wear you know a very busty half vest made out of leather for some reason um and you know the gnome's gonna be or excuse me the halfling's gonna be tiny and shifty and like there's the whatever it, it was interesting because like they're very much like conan-esque characters like conan like sword and sorcery style characters yeah. that you could pull out of any pulp fantasy story um whereas the vox machina book they definitely were clearly uniquely created characters that had a lot of personality to them like the druid for instance was like a very plucky quirky character that i thought was very very fun um and like i i don't know who plays that character but i i feel like I could see myself really liking that character the more I read about her. Um, she's, she had a very, I don't know, modern take on like this fantasy thing of being super innocent and super trusting and um, to the point of like her own detriment, which I like a lot. Like that's, again, a character like putting their all into a story and or putting their personality all into the story. And I, I don't know, th- there was a lot of stuff like that that I thought you can see is clearly a more modern take on Dungeons and Dragons compared to the Dun- uh, the IDW series, which was very like classic sword and sorcery style. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had to pick one character that to me said like, oh, this is Mike's favorite character, uh, <laughs> definitely would have been Copernicus Jinx, the gnomish wizard from the IDW series. Because <laughs> um, that's exactly the kind of like goofy, over the top, like gnomish wizard I would expect to run into as an NPC in one of your games. Right, right, right. <laughs> Thank you. Like I appreciate the, that. The magical metal arm, like ripping the heart out of a corpse, and like, mm, yes, fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, geez, I didn't even think about that. I mean, th- here's the other thing. I mean, like, Brian, you and I have been playing D&D for so long. The problem is. We haven't actually played D&D together in so long. Like we've played other games together, but I don't think we've had like an ongoing long form game in a long time outside of the Starfinder game that you're running. But that's not sword and sorcery. Um, But I miss it is all I'm saying. Putting it here on the record. We we, we played uh, with, with some of the IRCB discord folks, but we we did. That was, that was pretty sporadic. Yeah. 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 
Um, but yeah, this is uh, like this is a really interesting experiment because I I like to see, I guess, people's different takes on D&D. And I know that I kind of opened this up with like, I was I was very reluctant to really read this stuff. Like I'm I'm still very reluctant to read Dungeons and Dragons based content because I have such a hard idea of what I think D and D should be and can be. And you know I I usually disagree with what Critical Role or whatever is doing because I've got a whole spiel about it. But I was I was really impressed with both of these books. I think um, like I'm glad I sat down and read them and compared them because like despite my reluctance to want to read them it offers a different perspective that then you know influences the way that i perceive these types of things and what's possible in D and how things are crafted and organized um so yeah this is i don't know this is a really really fun thing to do um but yeah i don't know brian did you have any other any other thoughts about this i'm tr- not trying to necessarily wrap this up but I, that's like my my big yeah. takeaway yeah no i mean my my big closing thought is just that like I love these as two very different examples of what D&D can look like yeah. because D&D can essentially and tabletop RPGs in general can be whatever you want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're like Mike and I have very like specific ways we perceive D&D and like if if you play one of Mike's games or one of my games you're going to get the same like general vibe regardless of which game you're in mm-hmm. um, but i think these these go a long way to show that there, there is no bad way to play D as long as everybody at your table is having a good time then i think you're all set yeah exactly i mean yeah i if if this were my game you know what let's 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 play that thought experiment really quick if you were writing a story about a game that you would play like what common elements do you think people would find in your story between the various games that you've run. Cause I can say safely for me at some point, your characters are going to be fighting gods. That's just what happens in my games. The gods want to kill you and it's your job to kill the gods. That's, that seems to be my go-to MO in the last like five years of running D and D games for me. Yeah. Mike's games are very much like a JRPG from the the late (laughs) nineties. Right. Right. It starts with, Oh look, now we're fighting spiders to 20 levels later, kill God. Yeah, tough to say for me. I think uh, Undead, there's always like a zombie arc mm. in my games. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, actually. Because I've, I've been, the only game I've been running recently has been the Attack of the Swarm uh, module for Starfinder, which uh, is a pre-written campaign. Yeah. So I haven't yeah. like tried to homebrew anything in at least a year at this point. Yeah, well, this is me formally announcing the ircb D pot no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um i mean that would be something that would be fun but i think yeah there's i think you know what's what i do want to take away from this or i guess want everyone to take away is that like reading more dungeons and dragons content is never gonna hurt you because <laughs> yeah. that's what i and, learned in this experience that if you get our patreon up to a thousand dollars a month i will start a D podcast Yes, yes, the $1000 a month we will we will run a D&D campaign and we will broadcast it to the world. Um to add to the sea of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts that are already out there. But um yeah, I don't know Brian, any final thoughts I guess on on this series or Dungeons and Dragons in general? No, I mean I'm I'm going to I'm probably going to keep reading both of these. Um uh the the D&D the IDW D&D series is all on Comicsology Unlimited. So if you have access to that, you can read those there. Uh, Vox Machina Origins we found on Hoopla. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's much other Critical Role stuff on Hoopla. I meant to check and then forgot. But you know, you can also find their their four hour YouTube videos. 
uh, wherever YouTube videos are found. Um, boy, that's a lot. It's a lot to sit through. Yeah. It's, it's good. I, I've been watching season two of Critical Role. Okay. So not Vox Machina, but the Mighty Nine. Wait, wait. So wait, is each season a different set of characters and stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. But their, their seasons are like 500 hours long. Right, right. Well, uh, you'll have to boy, give us a lot. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to give us an update once uh, once you get through it. Um, I can't wait to hear it. Brian's D and D corner. It's going to be a regular segment on the show, I think, moving forward or something. Um, it's going to be very Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, okay. Well, you know, th- thanks, Brian, for for helping me put together this episode. This is this is a lot of fun. Um, just digging through some fantasy content because you know I say on the show I like reading fantasy content, but I somehow always step around the D pathfinder whatever's out there for for various tabletop rpgs so um i'm glad i actually dug in on this because i knew that these books were around i just refused um <laughs> but you know you can you can follow us all on twitter you can follow brian at brian and you can follow me at mike rappin and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on instagram and youtube and stuff and hopefully our, our episodes won't be age restricted anymore fingers crossed this show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can join us there at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and view our show. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. You can join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord, and you can listen to us record live episodes of the show when we record regular episodes. And make sure that you're telling a friend or two about the show and about the Discord. It's a great place to be. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Uh, Xander's a cool guy. He's a great GM, like in D&D. Um, he's also a really good player, so you know, shout-outs to him. Also, he edits the show. Uh, I want to say thank you again to Brian for putting this episode together, and thank you to everyone out there for listening to the show. We really, really appreciate it and your reviews. Uh, And until next time, comics are good, and so are you.